podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sometimes saving money takes work. Like when you have to walk an extra block for that coffee deal. Or battle pop-up ads to get online coupon codes. But when you switch to Xfinity Mobile, saving money is easy peasy. You'll save up to $400 a year on your wireless bill. And you can even get $250 off when you purchase an eligible smartphone now through January 4th. So you can do the same thing you always do. Just with more money in your pocket. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Wireless savings compares to averages of top providers. Xfinity Internet required. Yes, welcome to Chessy Hour, presented by Touchline Frackers. Another week, another episode. Full house inside this week, joined by Joe Tweets. Evening, guys. What's happening, Joe? Dan, what's off? What's up? Mr. Meads. What's happening? And Pels, Palumi, what's going on? Yo, guys. Myself, Yassi, and James. I'm going to do things a little bit different this week. We're going to start off with uh, some listeners' questions. Got some really good responses on the Twitter, at Chessie Hour. Um, And we didn't even roll our eyes at them. They were actually some really good ones. So I'm going to fire them at people quick time. Um, I might paraphrase a little bit. But one that caught my eye straight away from Alexis. What is a realistic output of productivity meaning goals and assists in this case, from hudson Adoy and Loftus-Cheek this season, firing at you, Meads? Um, well, for Ruben, it really depends on where he plays. Because I think... And when. Hudson, yeah, exactly. I think Ruben's probably going to get back maybe October times. So, and again, he's going to be quite rusty. He strikes me as one of those players that will take some time to kind of get his form and rhythm back. Um, whereas I think Hudson Odoi, I think he'll be like a duck to water very, very quick. Um, but in terms of Ruben, I think um, if he plays wide, like almost in the Mason Mount left wing type position, or even right wing, um, I'd still kind of want my wingers to get one in three. Um, in terms well, there was a little thing leaked from the, from the Sun. I don't know how connected they are, but there was something saying Lampard will potentially try him as a striker striker being a bit I don't know yeah I don't know what they mean by that but I think striker might just be alluding to a forward rather than a striker um and probably be in the wide positions striker up top I don't see it he doesn't have to no, no as a nine yeah 100%. yeah but do you yeah. know do you know what it is is at that point um Tammy hadn't scored his two goals so the actual story was to solve our striking situation he was thinking of Ruben as an option um, and we know if we remember the Toulon tournament, he played in a kind of false t- false nine row role. Yeah, tip of a diamond, and he had I think it was Redmond and someone else coming in from wide. Yeah, it, was, it was good. Yeah, he was the central player, the most kind of attacking central player. So, so he might have been thinking of that. Um, and I know it was Mead's question, but I feel like if he is put in an attack, then I think that he can get a lot of goals. Don't forget, he scored ten goals last season and yeah. barely played. So I think he can definitely get into twenties. Yeah, I think again. So, I've, for me, minimum would be one in three for any of, any of my wide players. Um, that so the same applies to Hudson Odoi. So, if he starts thirty games, then I'm expecting at least a minimum of ten goals. Um, same applies to Mason Mount. Just that it, it's just across the board um, for exceptional talents like Hudson Odoi. I'd hope for for him to be getting nearing. This is this is first season. This is first breakout season, I'd say. Um, well, actually, no. Last year was his breakout, even though it was kind of fake. He didn't really get 
mm-hmm. a run of games like that. But um, yeah, this will probably be his first proper season. So I'd say if he gets anywhere close to one in two, then yeah, that's a solid season for me. Um, Bro, so it- we're gonna we're gonna tie our flags and numbers. If, let's say Hudson back end of September, Ruben back. Let's say December, just to be safe. All right. Goals uh, for each. All right. So goals and assists. I'd say twelve goals for Cho, and twelve assists. Maybe all even competitions. Four. Oh, all comps. Or league. I don't, I'm asking. Um. Yeah. Let's say fourteen. Fourteen to fifteen goals. All comps. For that would be, I'd be happy. I'd be very happy. There, that'd be an amazing breakout season. That though. should be easy, I think. All and assists, and assists. Um, nearing nearing the eighteen twenty-ish mark, if possible. It depends on because if he plays on the right, he's he's going to be more likely to assist. If he plays on the left, he's going to be more likely to score. So I think it really depends on where he plays. So the the question, the, the use of the word in the question was. Um, realistic output so just to say that one with with Hudson Adoy there that's obviously an amazing season yeah do you, so, do you hope cap- for that or do you expect that oh no I'm expecting goals I'm definitely minimum one in three so I'm a, a minimum ten that's I'm expecting that is this uh, it, so, what if, okay. I was just going to ask is this question just for me or can we open up to the rest of the yeah you can open it? up but in terms of realistic I think anywhere between yeah, I don't see why 12 to, to 15 goals is unrealistic for him, given his talent level. And we're an offensive side that creates a lot of chances. Yeah, I don't see why not. And assists, yeah, around the same. Yeah, the same players. And for Ruben? Again, it depends. it's harder for him because it depends on where he plays. If he plays in midfield, um, I'd probably have a numbers 10 and 10. 10 goals, 10 assists. If he plays more advanced, then yeah, close to the Hudson Odoi numbers I want. That's what I think is realistic, especially given their attacking prowess. It's just, yeah, it's something that I think is realistic for them. Okay, before moving on, anyone have a, a, a diff- different view? Um, I'd say those numbers are pretty high, yeah. I think, um, especially for Ruben. Like, if he was to play midfield, I wouldn't be expecting 10 goals, 10 assists. Um, he's not really, I don't know, if it's just me that sees this, but I don't necessarily see him giving the final ball, so to speak. Um, so because of that, ten assists seems a little bit high, so if especially if this is in league terms. No, this is um, all comps. Oh, all comps. Okay, well then, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, that makes sense. And then Callum is Callum all comps as well. No, Callum's up. No, Callum's for me minimum all comps twelve to fifteen. See, because in. Um, I know there are different types of wingers, but I think everyone would say that Jaden Sancho's year last year was incredible. Yeah. And Jaden Sancho had, in 43 appearances, he had 13 goals and 19 assists. Yeah. Um, and that's in a that's in a spectacular breakout season, a season that that manifests in him or culminates in him getting an England call up. Um, but but don't you think that they're slightly different? Because I think that I see Hudson Odoi more as a goal scorer and a goal. No, so, so, but my point, my I think my point is more so that um, in that amazing season, his that that's like the, the top the top end for someone in in his age bracket almost. Um, right. He's got thirteen goals. So if yeah. if let's say Cho has a slightly less spectacular season, a, a good season, a decent season, um, I, for me personally, I'm I'll take nine from him, nine ten goals I, I, I in his first year. I, I, I want to chime in because I don't think you can don't forget. I know Sancho might be the teenager now, but before him was Mbappe, and he was scoring ridiculous numbers. Now it's not no. to say it's not to say that Hudson is Mbappe, but I, what I do want to say is what Sancho done has nothing to do with what Hudson can do. No, and, my point. I think my okay. point with that is so. For instance, in the in, it's not even it's not necessarily a comparison of them of them as players, but it's more a case of the expectation of what a top talent is going to do within their first season. Right. To me, using Sancho as like a as a benchmark is is nice because I see the two of them at a similar level. That's not to say that he, he can't eclipse that or he, he can't okay. do far worse. It's I just the case. Of, I, I, yeah. so I, I get that. I, I, I get that. I mean, yeah. And I understand the benchmark, but the difference is, for me, is the type of player they are. 
So I always, I always see Sancho as more of the creative type, um, whereas I see Hudson Boy as more of the attacker, the more goal scorer. Do you, you get what I'm trying to say? So in terms mm. of numbers, 13 top whack for a, a creator is a good number for Sancho. Mm, I agree, yeah. But whereas Hudson Boy, I'd expect it to be the other way around. If you get what I'm trying to say. So 19 assists. Is amazing for Sancho because that's like peak level of assist cre- of chance creation and goal creation, um, and that's kind of what you expect from a creator um, in their prime years. So that's fantastic for Sancho. But I'd expect Hudson's assists probably to be down, yeah. so less than that, and his goals to be more than Sancho's. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, and that's even on just on a good season, not an amazing season. Yeah. And I want to kind of say like Hudson because Hudson's more of a one-on-one player. And um, where I think with Sancho, he's pass and move a lot more. And so he's not always trying to take on the whole team by himself. And that's why Sancho finds himself in the box to kind of like finish moves. But I feel like Hudson's got that ability to take like a whole side on or just run down the side and take a shot. So I feel like Hudson will get more shots off than Sancho in a game, personally. And what you said about Ruben Loftus-Cheek not being a creator, I feel like people always um, associate assists with, you know, Unleashing a defense with a, a defense split and pass. I, I didn't say he wasn't a creator. I just said I don't. I don't imagine him taking the necessarily being involved in the in the final pass. Right. So as an attacker, uh, what I saw a lot for Crystal Palace, and because obviously he's starting a little bit higher, is he would often use his um, use his pace to get to the byline and then cut it back. And just because he's very aware in the box, there's been a lot of times like if we remember Hazard, um, he's linked up around Hazard. And like there was an assist to Batshuayi, he's got that kind of awareness in the box. So I feel like as an attacker, especially, I think he can get a lot of assists and goals. But yeah, that's just my yeah. But and I think that was. But my my caveat was that he would be if he was playing in midfield, it might be harder for that to happen. Right, as because opposed to playing forward. Yeah, he's got defensive responsibilities. Yeah, because he's going to be a little bit deeper. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right, cool. Moving on, question question two from um, Rubanga. Uh, Joe, I'm going to fire this one at you as someone who I know big interest in sort of squad compositions and and that um, and and just <laughs> the mess of signings that we make and the mess of our <laughs> summers that we make. Um, if Emerson continues the season in the same vein as he started it, um, which I think for everyone he's been, if not the standout player, 100 percent one of, and Alonso is sold next summer, which would be amazing to get that contract off the books. What would you do? Would you sign a top left back for big money, i.e. Chilwell is the suggestion here, yep. Matson as a backup left back, Castillo as a backup left back, or sign a depth player? I mean, I know that's not going to be the popular choice here, but <laughs> sign, sign another depth player. Um, it's an interesting question because I guess it goes to the sort of driving competition all the time or rewarding consistent performance. What would you do if you're in that meeting with Bruce Buck, Marina, Roman? I think this is this is kind of the classic Chelsea philosophy question is, is you've got to look at the let's say the current deficiency in, within the squad and prioritize really next summer I think based on on what's the biggest need and I think that's a center forward and I think the the performances that Emerson's had as a let's say more classic traditional fullback this season have shown that he's I think he's a more than able player to play there for the next couple of years and this kind of goes into to stuff that I, I write about and talk about a lot about bringing in, even if you're bringing in an academy player to be a backup for, for one season, it's one season you're not spending £40 million on a, on a backup who might play 10 games a season, you know. So I'd, I'd give Emerson the, the job. I mean, assuming obviously his, his form continues, if it, if it dips, then... Yeah, working on the assumption that... Yeah, he's working on the assumption that he's going to keep the same level. Yeah. It's not, it's not a rare thing that's just sprung up this season no. towards the end of last he was he was consistent Europa yeah. League final if, if not for Azar and Giroud smashing it up top he was my probably stand up player there as well yeah um, so, so yeah I think actually now I mean if if Rhys James comes in and, and performs at the level that I think he's capable of and then you know it's the first time in, in quite a while actually, I, I'm actually you know if we're looking next season fairly competent about the, the fullback positions because you know, I've, I've never really sort of understood the Marcus Alonso stuff as a left-back. I think Azpilicueta has probably been a better left-back for Chelsea than right-back. And I think that I'm not going to sort of get on this thing that he's completely fallen off, you know, in terms of form and stuff. But I think it's clear now that there's a, there's a space there for a different type of player. 
So I think actually uh, I'd be quite comfortable going in next season and I would be investing as much of the money we've saved this summer, as much as the money we've recouped from transfers and loan fees and stuff and just throwing it at the best possible centre forward that we can sign in this you know, looking at, at Tammy and, and Batshuayi and um, I think maybe Giroud, I don't know if Giroud is going to stick around next summer, but I still think that even if one of those two, Sabats or, or Tammy, takes a step forward, two steps forward, you know, I think that that really is is the, the, the kind of the main difference, I'm not saying main difference, but one of the, the key differences between us and the cities and Liverpools is that they have a 30 plus goal, you know, yeah. a season goal scorer and, and they can bank on them all the time. I think at the moment, we were having discussions about you know, getting goals from all different areas of the pitch and midfield and wingers and stuff, it would be lovely to just to have someone up front who can, yeah. you know, so it's going to score 30 goals. those resources. I mean, I have a feeling, I don't know why, I've got a feeling we might discuss strikers today. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, okay, one word answer. Um, gun to your head, Matson or Castillo for that backup slot if you were to pick? Oh, um, that's tough, actually. That's tougher than I thought. Um, I'll go Castillo. I mean, I think, I think Matson probably is going to be the better fullback, but Castillo, I'm looking right in next season. Okay, cool. Um, Palumi, this one's this one's a nice short one. Kepa Aridabalaga, top 10 goalkeeper in the world, yes or no? Oh, um, just, I'd say. Just, so, so eight, eight to 10 range? Yeah. Okay, because they were asking where place. Who would you put above him and why, out of interest? Um, like... I'm still, it might be contentious, I'm still giving um, De Gea um, his dues. Um, I need to be contentious, but I'm, I'm a big David De Gea fan. Um, probably Neuer, I think Kepa and Laurie are about the same. Um, I say Leno's about the same. So ranking, just out of interest. So, what would be the things that a Laurie or a, or a De Gea have that you're not sure that Kepa's grown into yet? Um, I think there's there's a few goals that um, he concedes where I sometimes feel like maybe he could have done better. Um, so where, where De Gea has these, like, more recently, he's had, like, really glaring mistakes. Um, I'd say, generally speaking, he's fairly consistent in terms of his performance. Um, and that's, that's not just over the past two years, but off, just off, off of a a decent amount of time, I'd say. Um, I, 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 that's what I'd give him. Um, so, Lloris and um, Kepa, however, I do feel like at times there's like a, there's an opportunity for them to have done better in the scenarios that they're in um, mm -hmm. without necessarily them being like massive mistakes. So, yeah. I feel like even though, even though you might see their hair as like more error prone in that sense, Generally speaking, I've, his quality of save is, is still fairly fairly high. Um, but he's got the odd fumble. Whereas they've got less fumbles, but more kind of contentious moments, I'd say. Like, prime example would be the Norwich game. So yeah. Could just move on to that because I, yeah, the goal that we conceded, the second goal, yeah. I know what you mean in terms of he could probably do better there. And it's not, yeah. It's happened a number of times with Kepa as well. You just so the funny approach, like he's he's got to the near post quite quick for that, but he's not really made himself very big. He's, he's really backed himself to stretch out for the finish, and yeah, yeah. Like you just, you sometimes you just you can't help but side at him. Like mm, I don't know, you know, you just look at him kind of funny. But just a quick one: Would you have him top ten meets, or you got him more in fifteen, twenty? Yeah, I'd say he's approaching top ten. I want to say he's in it. Firmly, um, yeah, there's quite a few keepers I rate above him still. Okay, uh, moving on quickly, Dan. This is from Tyson. At what point, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit, does a defense like ours has been shown to be from early season teething problems to a, a, like a symptom of Lampard ball? And this is just our lot, and we've got to deal with it. What sort of point in the season would you expect to see change? Do you think? Yeah, I think with defenses, it's difficult because. You don't know whether it's individuals or it's actual, actually the, the manager's tactics and it's the shape of the team and it's the instructions. In terms of individuals, when you actually look at our individuals on paper, um, we've got some good individuals. Zuma, we've seen him play in the Premier League and he's been a solid um, defender for Everton for a bit. Christensen, um, although he has been making mistakes previously, um, which is why he got dropped, um, 
so far so good. He's looked steady. Um, Rudiger, again, again, like I feel like he makes mistakes, but again, he's just like so. I think we've got a lot of defenders that okay, they're of a level, but then they're just not. They're they're fallible um, every now and then, but um, I don't know. I feel like again, we look at Derby and we look at the fact that um, their defense wasn't doing too good this season already. We've conceded two goals to a, I know like Norwich are doing well, but to a team that's just come up from a championship, we we conceded four to Manchester United. Um, obviously, the Super Cup we did well well in, but it, it's not looking good so far. It looks like we're going to be conceding. And most games, it kind of feels like, all right, we're going to score goals. In fact, it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like we're going to score goals, but it definitely feels like we're going to concede. So yeah. I, I don't I'm know. I'm going to link that straight into the... To the last one I'm going to cover, there was a couple that I did miss out. Apologies to those, but um, this is more thoughts from everyone on how we're going to improve defensively. So, I mean, the reason I bring this up now is is two reasons. You've mentioned the individuals there, Rudiger and, and Reese. I mean, the question is kind of are they going to solve it all? I, I'm not sure. Reese being a very attacking fullback, well, he's a two way player, but we're looking more at his attacking output. In, in terms of our excitement. Um, Rudiger and Zuma, whether there's a huge amount of difference there, I don't know. Um, so I guess leading into Norwich, um, where very nice, we've won a game, three points, great to feel. But Joe, um, I know you are, were having a few palpitations at, at how the midfield looked. Is that the key to... Improving defensively, is it something to do with the defensive line? Is it, like Dan said, personnel yet to come back? How are we going to improve this? How are we going to tighten it up? And what were the, the main issues in the Norwich first half where it was a bit basketball-y um, that, that concerned you the most? Yeah. Um, I think at the moment, given given the options that we have, I think we, we, we sort of have to come to the conclusion that we're going to have a lot of space in front of that back four for the immediate future. And... I think that and, and having, let's say, half of that back four, Zuma and Azpilicueta, to me, I think they're much better in a more compact system where there's a lot more structure, there's a lot more protection in front of them. And, and even though I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I really, really like Zuma, I think what I've seen transitioning from Everton to, to Chelsea is that in defending more in space, that's when he that's when he sort of looks a little less confident in himself, makes a few let's say, uh, more shaky decisions. And I think Azpilicueta as well is, is the same now, you know, sort of this kind of part of his career to me, whereas previously I would have rated him very much as a one-on-one defender. Now when he's, he's left in a bit more space and has to sort of cover a bigger zone, I think he, again, is, you know, you're seeing him backpedal, whereas before he would always kind of press to his man and, and actually try and at least sort of contest a, a, a challenge. I think now you're seeing him kind of retreat to, to sort of the edge of his own penalty and letting players get crosses in, letting players cut inside him, which is... It's difficult to, to kind of see. So I think, you know, you've got half of the back four personnel-wise, which I don't think really are that, maybe that comfortable with, with the with the shape and, and the system being in play. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rant about Jorginho for the, you know, because I think it would just be completely, but I mean, the, both goals, you know, first goal, he's nowhere in front of the back four, runs out, gets thrown on the ground like a year six pen in year 11, um, you know, and then three seconds later, they score, second goal again, you know, I'm not going to talk about Jorginho, but I thought I mean, I think I'm being kind to him there as well. Maybe more of a year two versus a year eleven. But um, well, hold on, yeah. hold on. On that first goal, there's something that I don't know if it, if anyone kind of is is in agreement with. You're, you got you got weights. It was pathetic. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, but we, we kind of accept that we know that that's what he is but there seemed like, like a real confusion there with him and Kovacic in terms of kind of who should have gone and who should have stayed Kovacic kind of held his hands up and was like okay you yeah, go you, then you, I mean, you, you like him yes, but do you think that he sometimes jumps massively out of position and well, it looks well, to me like me for like no reason I was getting on to a separate point but yeah, yeah I think I don't think he's, he's infallible I think they, I think he um does need protection as a player. I think one of your kind of um, points that you regularly make is <laughs> you, you expect more. No, and it's, and it's a valid one. Is you expect more from a fifty-eight million pound player. Yeah, and yeah. It's kind of like I, I get that if the valuations where the focus is, but the way I see it more is we have the squad we have, and as you know, I'm kind of seeing who can come in as a more of a box-to-box man off of the loan yeah. army. 
Um, but we have the squad we have, and I don't see anyone in the midfield who does what he can do in the initiation phase, progressing play, um, putting things through for players, progressing passes into the final third as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a it's a, something that needs to be managed. And maybe I want him. Add- I want him in the team. Like I completely yeah. want him in the team. But like, if we're saying, if you're telling me that he is the number six for Chelsea for the rest of the season, I'm I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an issue. Yeah, but, but there's no guess, one else. You're right. There's no one else who just, can really. Yeah. And just a quick one on that Kovacic point I was making is that if you, I know it's not an exact science, but if you look at the heat maps for the game, Kovacic and Jorginho seem to be operating in pretty much the exact same area. Yeah, hands, yeah. They're both pulled over to sort of Campbell a little bit and over to the right. And and I don't know if... We've got Kante, obviously, fantastic. But then you look at the other people who can play in a two. Kovacic like, came through as a 10. He's, he's, a, he's a good player. Maybe get onto him as a little bit because I think he deserves a mention. Jorginho, yeah, he can jump out and he, he does think more about on the ball. Um, and then Ruben dropping in there isn't really a natural fit. Mason is a good defender, but probably does it better high up the pitch. I think my big issue is, I guess, to you is, is it something that's going to be solved? Because the personnel are so forward-looking, you're going to play in front of the back border, we're just going to have to rely on everyone to win their individual duels. Yeah, I mean, I think the only option I can think of, and this is, I imagine, something that, that probably isn't going to be tried, but I mean, you know, being in Denmark, I've seen Christensen play live in the midfield as a, I don't want to call run in the middle holding player because he, he obviously is he's fairly decent on the ball for a centre back in midfield. He was he looked quite sharp actually, but pushing someone in there who is just going to sit and then maybe push you know to the right, maybe play Ruben on the left, you know. But I, I'm just trying to think of like how, how we become more solid because it's fantastic having all these these great passes and, and all these people who are great at moving and stuff, but. It feels like now every time a team counters on us, I'm having heart palpitations because, I mean, we, we saw the goal, the first goal, that there's like a 10-metre channel running across our back four. And there's probably only been maybe a handful of defenders in, in world football over the past five years who can defend with no protection, Ramos and, and maybe Van Dijk and maybe a couple of others. So, you know, you've got to be, you're talking about the elite of the elite that can do that. I'm, at the moment, I'm more concerned with, you know, the fact that we're shipping four goals a game, two goals a game, Leicester scored against us. We can't seem to really, really kind of uh, defend properly or any kind of structure there at all. So it's it's a tough one, but I, I make you right. It's, it's, it's to do with, it's partly to do with the personnel, maybe the system, maybe we play two there, but it's to do with decision-making as well. I think, you know, if you had a, someone to play with, you know, there and actually given the licence to go and press and go and to harass people, but then, you know, it's, it's when he gets played on. So for the, the second goal, you know, I, I felt Mount could have covered the guy with the, the ball played into him. Jorginho ran up to him, little flip around the corner, and again they were straight in goal. So it's it's a little bit. I think sometimes he he wants to, like he wants to be the one who makes the tackles, he makes the challenges, he makes a lot of them during the games. But in that position, you make one mistake, and then immediately teams are in on our back four, and you can't yeah. make mistakes in that position. And that, that's my concern. I mean, looking at his sort of numbers, he, they're good. He, they're really good. All the he did well, but I mean, like yeah, I mean his um, his ground duels. He won seven out of nine aerial duels. Won one out of two. Um, only fa- only one foul, which surprised me looking at the game because there was this feeling that he was playing on the edge a little bit. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that. three interceptions, four tackles, one. But I agree, it's it's almost it's the two for the goals. You know, do involved. I do want to say though is that. We've come up against teams that do have very dangerous attacks. Yeah. So us conceding these goals may it our defense, although it isn't very solid, um, one where it's still in a very we're, we're teething one, two, we're coming up against good attacks. Well, so you mentioned last week means that Norwich with their inverted sort of wingers crowding that space yeah, were team. almost the worst team to play. Yeah, and they're a good team, and they they attack very very well. They have their patterns of play. They've got a very good striker who's very difficult to pick up. Um, again, Manchester United. Again, we were just hit on the counter attack a lot, and that tactically we got that wrong, in my opinion. Um, and they've got very dangerous attackers. Liverpool again conceded two goals, but again they've got one of the best attacks in world football. Um, Leicester again, they are very good offensively. It's not like it's um. We're, we're playing against like the Aston Villas and getting mm. run, like, you know. It's not to say that we're defensively solid by no stretch. And I still think that, like what Joe says, the midfield and the protection in front of the back four is a little bit shaky. But um, 
we need to put it into context. Are we come up against decent attacks at least? I I'd say with that, um, that I don't think that's a good enough of an excuse. I think it's actually quite a shit excuse, even. It's um, not an excuse. No, but the, so the reason why it's just the fact of the matter. Even the fact of the matter is, is we've come up against good attacks. Okay, but the choice of reasoning to me is poor, in the sense that the best defense is. Um, and I, I understand that you're not you're not trying to pose us to be a great defense or defensive side, um, but a good defense is will will play against Leicester and and be a lot more comfortable than we are, um, and play against Norwich and be a lot more comfortable than we are. Well, and I think watch, that, okay, did you watch Liverpool versus Norwich? Yeah, I, I genuinely think I no, but my point is, I still feel as though because Norwich um, created a lot of chances against Liverpool, a lot um, of chances, and and, and I, I feel that I didn't feel that. Liverpool looks particularly secure against Norwich. To no, but to be fair, generally speaking, I don't feel like. Or this is kind of this is a little bit of a, a shitty parameter. But if if they played that game more than once, I would I would edge Liverpool out to look to, to look more comfortable. Do you want to know what it is? That's because you've seen Liverpool over a, a sustained period of time. Okay, that's why? So R- that's regardless, regardless, my point is just. Re- re- in terms of the, the, the point being made, I feel like um, one of the, the biggest issues that we have isn't necessarily personnel. So obviously Dan's alluded to the fact that we've got a lot of similar level defenders who have who are capable um, of being really, really good, but also then have their own lapses and their own faults. Um, and Joe's obviously also made the point about the midfield composition and the way in which Jorginho presses. But I think that, that um, both of those scenarios can be, all of those situations can be helped um, Collectively, if we change the way we defend, um, in terms of we lose the ball and we can't press. So even the, the example about Mount and not covering and Jorginho pressing, that's because they've got the instruction to go and win the ball as high and as quickly as possible. Um, and I think also he's, he's alluded to the fact. I think when someone asked Lampard, sorry, alluded to the fact that we they don't have he doesn't want to have um, distinct roles um, in midfield. Right. So I think someone said Kante should sit. And he's gone, actually, we don't want to do that and restrict him. And he yeah. doesn't want any of his midfielders to be restricted into specific yeah. roles. So what you might find with Rokovicic and Jorginho is more of that confusion in terms of, actually, no one said, I mean, they should take the initiative. One of them should take the initiative to potentially sit or to do something different. But essentially, it's the case of your, you have an element of freedom within that midfield, not necessarily a free role, but an, an, ele- an element of fluidity and an allowance for them to kind of move into spaces to pick up the ball. And the two of them, I, I see them as being on the same wavelength, which is why it looks like they're holding hands a bit, because they want to play in between each other. Yeah, um, same areas, yeah. So, yeah, so with, with that in mind, in terms of how we, we go about um, winning the ball back, it's then inevitable that there is that, that large bit of space. And then, it's, and then it's also then it becomes alarming for the, for the back line. Um, and the reason why we look so secure against Liverpool is because we didn't really press like that. Um, we didn't have that level of space in between the two the two um, teams. Yeah, also two-thirds two of the pitch at most. Yeah. And, um, and Liverpool also don't have like a natural number 10. So Firmino drops off, but he drops really deep. He doesn't drop into necessarily the half space. He's dropping into midfield. So all the, a lot of the players in front of you um, and what you've got behind you is essentially, sorry, the threat of Mane and Salah in behind. Right. But for the majority of the game, we're quite comfortable because no one's in those little those little pockets of space. We, that, speaking of speaking, we also had three midfielders. And speaking of of that mid, that midfield performance, sort of Dan, is it only a matter of time that we kind of? Although it sounds a bit ironic talking about relying on the forward players to sort our defence out, but in a roundabout way, is it only a matter of time before we go to your midfield preference of Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho as a three, tasked with keeping things really tight, really secure, really disciplined, and allowing Mount. Loftus, Hudson Adoy, everyone went fit to to do the job at the other end. Yeah, so I feel like it's going to be a type of thing where Lampard will try as much as possible because don't forget, Lampard was a number eight midfielder, an offensive midfielder. He sees himself in Mount, I'm sure. Someone that can get into the ball and score. I'm sure he sees um, Loftus as that type of player too. So I feel like he'll persist with it. But I do think that we will ship a lot of goals with it and then... and. When he does play Kovacic, um, Jorginho and Kante, I feel like he'll, it'll become evident quickly enough that, OK, we're safer with that midfield because um, Palumi alluded to a lot of good stuff that we did in the Liverpool game. But I do think after watching it again, because I watched it again recently, 
the fact that we had um, Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic, that they worked more as a trio rather than a tandem. Um, just as like, you know, we talk, yeah, so I, I think that that's the way to go because I know people are thinking, okay, play Loftus-Cheek or Mount in midfield in the smaller games and in, in the bigger games, you can play Kovacic there. But we just saw against Norwich and I feel like we have to respect the Premier League at this point that um, a lot of teams can do us like that. A Bournemouth, Bournemouth yeah. slapped us 4-0 last time. We're going to exactly. see a lot of that. We're going to see a lot of that. So, Listen, the Premier League, the finance of the Premier League, we've mentioned it so many times, means that you're going to get so many players right. on the table that have that quality. And, and, and my thing is... Kovacic and Kante, they're the type of players that think about what, um, what, what to do when we lose the ball. I feel like with the offensive players, they don't do it as much. And I think because we play with a three right now, if you've got one defensive-minded player on the right side and then one attacking on the left side, that left side is going to be empty. There's going to be space. So I feel like that's how I solve it anyway. I saw it on Norwich in particular. Barkley was really... He was basically next to Mount for most yeah. of the game. And I think the second yeah. goal even even came through a space that was is really well... Really left open from um, mm. there. That, that actually happened because Jorginho tried to press in the space that Barkley left vacated. And then there was a 1-2 and then there was no one else. So once they broke through into once they broke that what with the one two they were straight into our defense just because I want to be more positive after a first win second half different game much Five. more control yeah. uh, much more of the ball look to have a bit more purpose with it no goals conceded always a plus um, who noticed the adjustments that were made who noticed something they want to kind of verbalize about where we changed I over think half time Again, I think Kovacic, well, it wasn't even necessarily Barkley. It was more Kovacic. Kovacic was very, very impressive in the second half. Mm, yeah. um, I think he completely neutralised um, Penwell. That's how you say um, He's a good player, but completely neutralised him. Did not allow him to have any space in between um, the midfield and our defence. Um, and also, just in terms of just ball winning, because I think Jorginho was on the yellow card from the first half. And... He was recovering the ball a lot. He was recovering the ball well, but it was also not allowing there to be massive gaps between him and Jorginho. Um, and yeah, just generally, we we're far more compact, and when we needed to be, and we just continuously exerted pressure and we recycled the ball and just kept the ball, I guess, better than we did in the second, in the first. Just, half. just a quick one, Meads, because I know Kovacic, the signing itself wasn't. Your your choice really like I know you know it wasn't the your biggest um, he's not he's not your favorite but um, he had a great game yeah. like, all aspects of the game um, and he, he had a little I think it was after the game headlines headlines are about him being freed and Lampard freeing him but if you actually looked at the quotes a lot of it was about him he does have a good relationship with the coach as he did the last one but he talked a lot about just being more confident more relaxed that he's a proper Chelsea player and not on loan and I think there is an element of Lampard allowing him to do what he's good at that but um, is it someone now we think with that confidence with the relaxation used to England he could hit new heights he could grow into the game what more, what more does he have to do um, for that I still don't think he necessarily has greater heights to hit um, I think what you see now um, you probably get a little bit more yeah. um, but other than that I don't think he's, he's that's not to say he's not a good player you know my biggest problem was with him is that in the position that he was in and he was being shoehorned in in that number of eight role isn't him he's a player that likes to be um, deeper um, in my opinion a lot of his best performances for Real Madrid came when he was deeper um, and control, helping to control the game um, now he is growing on me in the sense that he is a very he's a good squad squad option in my opinion um, did we necessarily need to spend £45 million on him? No, but would we have been better not spending that money? Probably not, because right now, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is injured, and even if he was to come back, um, the defensive solidity that Kovacic provides, because we are all already quite frail without Kante, um, it does look, maybe for the, at least for the short term, 
that it was the right thing to do. Just just on that one, Palumi, I, I don't want to um, just go down the youth route entirely, but looking at that fragility kind of that Mies mentioned, are we going to, I mean, Bakayoko is looking like Milan or Monaco are the latest links. He'll probably go, he, yeah, he's done. But like Ampadu off on loan, Chalabar off on loan, Gallagher's doing well more in an attacking sense, but we, we, we were really quick to integrate um, the headline grabbing young players. Mount, um, Abraham up top, for, for example. But have we maybe missed a trick in terms of just having some more defensive solidity in keeping a Chalabot or an Ampadu around for games like this? I think um, Ampadu's... I think that it's difficult because there's a fine line between almost the composition of your squad and then those players getting the necessary time they need to develop. Um, so someone like Ampadu, who hasn't played a lot of football over the past two years, or be at 18... Um, could potentially have been in that same sort of position again, where he's he's you know versatile, capable of playing in a, in, a, in a few positions, but not necessarily the top in any one of them. Um, and as a result, then he doesn't get as many minutes as he should. Um, but with regards to just their their skill sets, I think in terms of a combative midfielder, somebody that's that kind of quite no nonsense, um, doesn't really give a toss. Um, I'd say Ampadu as that kind of DM might have definitely alleviate some of the problems we're having. But, um, and Chalabu, in a sense, has looked to be a lot more comfortable since he's moved into midfield. However, with that being said, a lot of um, the plaudits he's, he's received of late have been kind of in a, in a progressive sense in terms of him on the ball. Because a lot of what happens with, you know, Cat 1 centre-backs when they go into the, into the league, um, football league, they then they look a little bit above um, the level technically. So then they, they all technically um, tend to, sorry, get moved into midfield anyway. Um, so him being, Chalaba being in midfield, midfield specifically, I'm not sure is necessarily because of his, you know, defensive awareness, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But with that being said, I, I do kind of still think that if there was a change in approach in terms of how we, we play um, once we've lost the ball, that frailty will kind of reduce. It's just a case of, when everyone's pressing and when everyone's really high up, there's a lot of space. Um, so if they were to adapt that in, in the way that I feel like they did slightly to, to Liverpool, you then have a bit more compactness and you don't, you don't have that isolation of the three. Yeah, I just I guess from a squad composition point of view, I'd be very interested to see if there's a another Kante knock and maybe a Jorginho ban, how we, how we look. But going from some um, prospects to another, uh, you mentioned sort of getting minutes. Um Dan, I know it might not be your choice to be getting all the minutes up top, but at least you're getting consistency in your number nine. And is he starting to repay that in in Tammy's performance? Um, I think, do you know what? Even like the Man United game, the the shot he had that hit the post, I think it was a ball that came in. He didn't think much, and he, and it was a great shot. And I think um, his goal against Norwich, if he scored one goal, I would still be on him. But the fact that he scored two goals. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ease up I'm a ease up off him a little bit, but do you know what? Um, Back to the you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> my whole thing is, I was thinking, right, if he gets one goal, yeah, you know that that buys him another three matches of Lampard trying to force him to. But um, two goals is is all right. He's he's two and three right now. Um, um, do you know what? Do, do you know what? I just got, yeah. Do you know what? He's good. He's good. Like I've always. I've always thought it was good. I just don't like the fact that I thought that Lampard was forcing him. However, one thing that I was kind of... Um, it was positive. After the game, Lampard was speaking about the fact that Mount and Tammy scored, you know, the English academy players. And he said, specifically Tammy, not Mount, but specifically Tammy, he's got a lot of competition in his hands. Because um, he said that Giroud, obviously, when he came in, he did exactly what he wanted from him. And he said that Batshuayi is now getting fitness. And basically, the only reason why he hasn't been featuring... Is because of fitness. So I'm starting to kind of feel, feel like, okay, maybe Lampard is being fair. Um, it's just giving him those early minutes for the confidence and now he's got his goals. Yeah. Sort of but got looked- that little settling in as a real Chelsea. I think there was a, a moment where he asked, um, it's a little story, he's asked Mount, do you feel like a real Chelsea yeah. player yet? Do you know what? Um, do you know what so maybe it was that for Tammy. He needed, these, he needed this moment <laughs> and now he's got the confidence to, to sort of, throw the gauntlet down to him. You know what, and now, I think, if you also drop him, or if you, not even necessarily drop him, but rest him for a game, or recycle him out of the game, doesn't make sense. people won't be asking questions like, oh, he's flopped or anything, because he's yeah. got these goals. He's got a level of confidence in the manager 
and externally as well. But even me, I was sort of saying maybe it's time to protect him. But Lampard, yeah. with that faith, looking really, really vindicated. But, um, just a quick one on on that that goal as well. It's yeah. The first one, lovely, lovely finish from um, from as from an actual Aspilicueta cross, which is mad. I think he was probably going to be post, but oh well. Um, but yeah, lovely finish. was crossing too. But you know what's like I said, not really much to think about. Ball's yeah. coming in the air. He's got a bit of space. Instinctive finisher. It was the second goal, though, man. Brother, let's talk. Goal outside of the 18-yard box, but it was just... It was a tight game. It was 2-2. It was a good pass from Kovacic, but he's still in a 1v2 underload. He's got a lot to do with those two defenders. Touch was brilliant. Little shift. And that's a lot of character to take a shot like that. That stage of the game, scored yeah. a winning goal. Is that is that real growth? What we're so, seeing as a result? Of I want to I want to touch on a couple of things. Obviously, um, certain man have claimed that I've been too harsh on Tammy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I've been I think I've been relatively fair on Tammy. Have you made up? Have you made uh, up now? No, no, no. I think I've been relatively fair, but let me let me talk. So, I think you're harder on Tammy than Joe is on Jorginho, and that's it. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> I think um, so. What that goal reminded me of was the similarities between, I say, like a typical Kane goal when he shoots from range, where the mark for me of a good striker is how their first touch is to set the rest of what they do up. Now, yeah. Tammy's first touch was excellent because I think it killed the defender and it left him discombobulated. And then it kind of set the tone of what happens next because then the second touch, again, I wasn't even the touch. I guess the, the shimmy and then the faint away from Godfrey. He was excellent, by the way. He was yeah, in the box of everything. Um, so to do him as well, who had an amazing game, but still having the confidence to do Godfrey and then bang it through the legs. Um, and re- also like reverse it away from the keeper. Yeah. was quality. That, that, that was an all-round top quality goal. And regardless of if you rate Tammy or highly or not, that was a high-class goal. Regardless yeah. of any facts, that was I know, I know that a... when, I, uh, when I get back to coaching next week, I'm definitely gonna <laughs> use the word discombobulating with your first touch. Oh, <laughs> I've heard that um, since Keenan and Kel, but <laughs> I think with just on Tammy, like almost a roundup on him. I think the I think what's important to kind of stress is that no, no one thinks he's necessarily. Um, I don't think he's awful. Um, I don't think anyone thinks. Oh, that's that. good. That's good. To think, hear. No, no, but the point is, is that the point is that um, obviously, especially in here, we had that kind of question where it's like, if the if there is a chance in the ninetieth minute, who would you want it to fall to? And we all chose Mitchy. Um, and I think that still stands. But where I feel like he has been given a lot of flack um, is just that because people had already written him off, there was no grace for any of his performances. And I do think that um, despite him missing. The, the sitter against Liverpool uh, and there was, I think there was an opportunity against United where he didn't um, he wasn't there to kind of receive it to tap it in yeah. I thought when he came on against Leicester he was by far and away the most um, impressive player on the on the pitch in terms of him getting involved and um, um, he had a really wayward shot but in terms of just the sharpness and, and being involved and making things happen he seemed that, and that's just through like little touches like laying off laying yeah. people off which is something he gets a lot of flack for so what I what I'm trying to do is every time he does that, as much as it is, you know, the, almost the bare minimum for strikers, because people act like he's incapable of doing it. I've been highlighting it, right. and in the Norwich game before he scored, you know, in the box for the first goal, he's actually laid it off for someone and made his way round for the back post. Yeah, down that left hand Very exactly. Well, on, on that, quilly, 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 quilly. The, quilly. The, something that Joe's touched on. I know in his writing, in that, um, whereas a club culture, we kind of sign this player, that player, and just hope it works. One thing I've noticed, again, might be confirmation bias on my part, but I'll be keeping an eye. In the the Dublin friendlies, I mentioned that Tammy was doing a lot of little flicks that people weren't maybe expecting. And I liked the idea, even if the execution wasn't there. But that layoff there for that goal, before the clip, was to Mason Mount. And I don't have the stats with me, but it did seem like Mason knows where Tammy's going to pop it off. They've been in youth teams together. They they play the same. I think, with I think the there, was, there, was one, there, was like a, there was a chest set up as well for him. I think it was Mason Mount. I don't know if it was last week. I mean, they uh, definitely looked on the same page. Yeah, he's talking about when he's Ruben and Callum last year. Yeah, he set him up for a volley. I don't know if that was Norwich or yeah. Ruben and Callum is another great example. Yeah, so just, just, a, just a quick one, Joe. Joe, just with, um, with that in mind and, and with the 
I don't like using buzzwords like Chelsea DNA, but you have players who have you played with each other for six, in Tammy's case, maybe like 12 years, right? And then just the, the things that were said at the beginning and at the end of the game, the youngest 11 that Chelsea have played since 1994. Um, last time Chelsea had two English players, 21 or younger, scoring the same Premier League match was 1992. So with that Chelsea connection between certain players, with those eye-raising stats, this is what everyone's been waiting for, no? This is... I can't see how people can try and be negative about this. This is what the last five years of Chelsea Twitter has been going mad for, no? This, this is something to celebrate. Oh, one million percent, yeah. And, and you know, I feel delighted for Jody and, and Joe Ebers because, you know, I mean, th- these are kind of the players that they've got their kind of fingerprints on in terms of their coaching. And for anyone who, who's ever watched any Chelsea Academy game over the past five seasons where these guys have been involved, you know, the, the level of football is, is exceptional. And yes, it's academy and Chelsea often have better players than most teams, but it still takes courage and it takes a lot of coaching acumen and skill to, to put together teams that can go to Barcelona's academy and, and play them off the pitch and play Real Madrid off the park and, and all these fantastic results they've had. But it seems to me now, particularly, you know, if you look at sort of guys who are coming back, you've got Rhys James, you're going to have a fullback, you're probably going to have Ruben in midfield, Callum out wide, Tammy up front, Mason in midfield. There's a little bit of kind of a spine, you know, defence, midfield attack forming where these players have, have grown up playing this kind of Chelsea kind of academy style of football, which, you know, you get players playing in all different positions. And it's why I think Mason Mount looks, you know, like he can play out wide, like he can play in midfield, like he can play right, left, central. Same with Tammy, like he's used to these movements with these players. And I think the more, you know, the more they get, let's say, acclimatised to playing in the Premier League, particularly for guys like Mason and, and maybe Tammy as well, the more this sort of chemistry, and it's kind of been built over time, it's like muscle memory. You know, you play with someone regularly, you know that they're, if I move left, he's going to go over my right shoulder. If I make this movement, he's likely to go here. It's like it's like partnerships in, in any sport. So I'm, I'm interested to see particularly how that develops because I think you're right. You know, we saw in pre-season a lot of this stuff maybe wasn't coming off, but it's because players maybe aren't expecting him to have that kind of ability or maybe aren't used to that kind of stuff that he's he's actually capable of, of doing. And I think Mason and, and, and Tammy, particularly on that sort of left-hand side, had a really, really nice connection. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned some points there. And just I mean, one last thing on Tammy for me. The thing that I've, I've loved is I've heard that Lampard has been spending time off the train with Abraham working specifically on his finishing. And the thing that I noticed particularly about the second goal was just how early he took the chance. Because I mean, if actually look, the ball, the ball almost goes into the centre of the goal because the goalie is is still kind of yeah, moving. Liverpool is just he's yeah. near it, but he's not ready. He's near, yeah, exactly. He's he's not ready for the for the strike, and it's um you know also that, blindsiding with players. It's not just yeah. the time, and it's it, that's a Lampard. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's a, that's a classic classic Lampard trait. You know, that, that's what Lampard was. Lampard would always you'd think, oh, take one more touch to open up a bit of space, but he'd always have the early shot, and he would always often beat the goalie near post yeah. or in a space you and uh, anticipate. So I mean, if that continues. You know, in terms of Abraham's development as a finisher, all, all I'm looking for out of him really at the moment is goals. If he starts, you know, that all-round game with with Mount and bringing other players into play, that's a bonus. you know, you know, it's a bonus. You know, but two goals in 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 a in a start, a winning goal as well. That was always my big thing with strikers. I don't really care if they get 30 goals if they're scoring the, the fifth goal with a five-nil win. Absolutely. I like the fact that I like the fact that his goals meant something, and I think that should give him confidence. And, and all the bollocks he's had to put up with from people on social media and stuff, you know, it shows real character to come back and. And deliver a performance of, of that yeah. quality. So, Fantastic. Last, yeah. last word just on that is, um, I mean, those stats were great about 94, 92. I couldn't tell you the last time that a Premier League match was won by three goals, all scored by players who'd been there since eight or nine years old. Is there, do you think, already now, looking at that, a Premier League game won by goals purely from players who've been there that long? Is that gonna? Is that having already? I don't know, but a trickle down effect. If you're an under 17 player, under 19 player, under 18 player at Chelsea, uh, someone like a Castillo who looked like they were on their way out and maybe he's recommitted, or or uh, Tino Angerin who who maybe for all we know might have been looking elsewhere, thinking where's he gonna? Is that gonna have a massive impact? Do you think? Massive. Yeah, definitely. So um, one of my very, very close friends works at an agency that has a lot of Chelsea sort of under-16s and 17s on their books. And without getting too much into specifics, the, the atmosphere currently in the academy, he said, is, is the best that he's ever seen it with young players. So, you know, if they if they genuinely, I mean, some of them are like 17, 18, are, are kind of working on the impression that if they play well enough, they might actually get a debut you know, towards the end of the season. And it's not now unrealistic that if they're good enough that they're going to get an opportunity. You know, we've, we've often seen this 
question about pathways and it doesn't matter how good someone is we know that we're going to play the the 60 million pound signing or play the experienced player I don't think that's that's going to be the case now so there's a bit of a buzz in the in the training ground and a really exciting thing will be to see just how confident these young players are particularly in the headline competitions like the FA Youth Cup because there are some excellent excellent talent that's going to be playing in that competition this season who are going to look to make an impression on Lampard and make an impression uh, on Chelsea and potentially looking to, to maybe pitch a, a debut towards the end of the season. Fantastic. Um, so just moving forward now, as, as as we come off all that positivity, I'm all giddy now, Joe. Thanks for that. That's, that's lovely. <laughs> feeling really, feeling as, long, really... as long as it's got nothing to do with Jorginho, I'm fine. But... <laughs> uh, uh, I'm feeling really good about the season now. Lovely. But moving forward, um, Sheffield United next up in the Premier League. Um, again, like you can say they're promoted sides, but I think a lot of the promoted sides... Are looking fantastic. Um, Chris Wilder is a very astute coach. I think he'll be looking at, at little pockets of space to pick up. It won't be an easy game, but you, you'd hope that we can kick on with the same sort of form and intensity. Um, but without going too much into, into that game necessarily, we've got Sheffield United. We've got, I think, an international break after that, if I'm not wrong. Um, and then Wolves. Um, but over these three weeks, we could be looking at players coming back in, even players like Mount getting international call-ups and, and coming back with more confidence. There's there's talk that by September end, um, Reese James, Callum Hudson-Odoi will both be fit. We've seen a lot of images, Hudson-Odoi training. Yeah. Um, looks like he's involved with everything from ball work to small-sided games to everything. Um, how much of a difference, move, how much of a different team could we look in the next sort of two to three weeks, looking forward a little bit, not long term, but just with those principles of play a bit more understood by the whole group. Um, how 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 powerful and how big a difference could it make with those those players returning off during that international break? So on Hudson Odoi, right? He's been in training for the last week and a half, I'd say, full full training. Um, an open training session, my friend went to it and said that he was fully involved, no limitations, um, very intense in his training. Um, again, I think we had the guests on last week as well, said um, he was, although he wasn't a sharp, he was still relatively sharp, so definitely ready. Um, so in the next couple of weeks, he'll definitely be ready. Um, in terms of the the dynamic of our, our team, I think Hudson Odoi significantly improves us. I think Reese James also significantly improves us. Um, so there, we have reasons. We have reasons to be optim- optimistic um, at the very least. Um, I think again, a lot of the questions come about from the midfield area and up front. Um, and but at the same time, if Tammy Abraham continues um, to improve. Um, because again, him shooting from outside the box is not something I expected that he had in his locker. I mean, that was his first goal outside the box in his career. Um, but if Lampard continues to work with him and he continues to improve, then it would be a natural situation where he'd be our guy for the season. And I think before the season even started, we weren't really sure who he was going to go with, but we did say and did state that whoever he goes with, we just hope that they actually get the run. It's not a chopping and change situation because it doesn't actually help the strikers, in our opinion. Um, I, I think him going and stick with Tammy, if that's how it's going to be, so be it, as long as you stick with him and you're not chopping and changing. Um, but with Reese James coming in, Hudson Odoi, obviously, and obviously Ruben in the next couple of weeks, well, weeks after that, I think we're in a decent, we're in decent shape. I think it's not as bad as a lot of people thought it would be. Um, obviously with the loss of Hazard it's, you know, people are going to be waxing lyrical about how bad the situation will be for Chelsea but I think with certain adjustments I think we could be quite decent Always nice to, to do well on a weekend where Spurs somehow lose mm. to Steve Bruce's Newcastle um, and there's whispers that it's all not great over there United that was just embarrassing so that was great to see but also looking beyond Wolves Liverpool at home Massive game. But then it's Brighton at home, Southampton away, who have their own teething problems, Newcastle at home, Burnley away, Watford, who have not had a great season so far, away, Palace at home, and then we get to Man City. But right up until November, there seems like a kind-ish schedule 
for newer players, younger players to really, really, really bed in. Um, it couldn't be nicer for us by the looks of it. It looks like a decent fix of this, but I'm always, always apprehensive when it I think for me it's just it's, it's absolutely and we've talked about the Premier League a lot but it just means if that was punctuated with a United away a Tottenham at home a yeah. City then I'd be more concerned about chop and changing yeah, and I right. where yeah. I look at those fixtures is, is where Lampard can trust the striker to get minutes Batshuayi to roll in if he can when his fitness is up the midfield to, to be secure with the right people and not having to sort of basically the principles getting really really drilled in right no that makes sense it's um the fixture list definitely makes it makes us uh, I don't want to say it could make our season um but it definitely will be great if the injured players come back and hit the ground running um and what better way to do it against I guess weaker opposition um because that's a bit home games as well which yeah makes a huge difference and they're at home as well. I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, so yeah, we'll see. It, it is. Um, it's going to be an interesting season. I do expect a lot from our young players, but that's it. Kind of like what Mason Mount and I guess Abraham are doing is the whole notion of not ready. Um, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of fans tend to use this idea of not ready um, as a way of dismissing players. Like I don't think that. Say, for example, Mason Mount comes in under Sari, uh, like a 15-minute sub, and he doesn't really play well, doesn't score a goal, his, pay, his pass is a bit wayward, etc. That, that isn't to say that he's not good enough or not ready. It's just that he's not been given a full-on opportunity. A lot of fans tend to do this thing where, because they've only seen a glimpse of him, or he's done at the youth team, they say he's not ready without actually really seeing him. You know, And I guess what Lampard is doing is shining the light on the player's quality and regardless of their, their age that if they're given the opportunity they're good enough you know what I mean so you have to big up Frank for what he's done and I guess Jody as well Jody and Joe because it is um, we'll just hope that it it's great it's good to see cool um, any last words running to, towards the end of this week any last words on Norwich any last words on, on what we're hoping to see over the next few um, oh one more thing um so when Cho comes back, who do you think needs to sit down for him? Pulisic. Yeah? Is, is yeah. that in um, agreement? I'm in agreement. I'm just interested, Would you? who would you play on the right then, Pedro? Because one of the questions that we did leave out was from Jermaine, and it was um, whether Mason could play on the right wing. So I know I know, an in, a sort of yeah. floating playmaker is a big thing of, of Dan's um, with Ruben eventually in the season, but... I think Mason just being able to cut in that right foot on the left is fantastic. I think he naturally provides a good uh, channel for Emerson to overload. I I, want to see Hudson on the left. I want to see him driving at goal. He can do the right wing thing. But where would you put him is the only thing. I think that determines more who loses it up. Yeah, I I think um, what I'd like is for Hudson to start on the left. Um, But at the same time, I want the front three to be quite fluid. Well, the front, well, the wingers, I'd want them to be somewhat fluid. Um, so remember um, when we had Oscar, Mata, Hazard, um, where those three were rotating throughout a game? Yeah. Although they have their base positions, they rotate and they move. Um, so as long as we can have somewhat or something like that, where Mason now is able to cut in Hudson Doyle is able to cut in. You know, I think it would be, it'll be fine. But like, I know like, Dan's shaking his that, head what will look no, like defensively like, with that team. Yeah, no, yeah defensively it'll look a bit, no, look no, a bit bad. No. But I think against like the lesser sides, I think it's definitely something that we could experiment with. I, I think it's fine. And given the fixture list that we have, I think it'd be kind of a shame not to trial it. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be down to have, have a look at that. On, on Pulisic, um, I mean, I thought he'd maybe suit the game a bit better than he did, but he was involved in, in build-up for both goals. But moments player, as you kind of said, me is didn't really take that time to shine. But I think it's an interesting one. Dan, who would you have with Hudson starting? Um, yeah, I'd have Mount on the right. 
Um, I agree with me. I think we will miss a little bit of Hudson's crossing um, as a winger. I know we, we can have fullbacks crossing, but I think that a feature of Hudson last season was his crossing. So I'd like to see him pop up on the right and the left. And um, I want goals up front. And I, I like the fact that in the box, Mount knows how to finish. Um, so I want him yeah. close to goal. And and Mount seems to want to be close to goals all because he presses really high. So I don't want to mm-hmm. see him in midfield anyway. Well, I think he's, I don't know the exact number, but he's leading leading our squad 100% for shots so far this year. So it's, it's clearly, clearly something that... Yeah, 100 uh, be interesting if you put him out, out wide and then if you've got Reese James at right back because that is a boy who can put a cross in from well, whip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he, can, he can really whip a ball in. So if you've got someone who maybe wants to come a bit more a bit more narrow playing the half space, playing a bit more of an inside forward role, then, I mean, James can absolutely bomb on and, and provide... Oh, you God, a lot of gas in you. Let me just stop. <laughs> you know it's mad what a win will do, but listen, we're going <laughs> to... Because I don't want to see 2 1 last minute to Sheffield United and then we're all talking about who we need to sign or whatever. But listen, there's talent to come back. A win a win is boosted, I think, everyone's kind of hopes. Tammy Abraham is scoring outside of the box. I mean, if that can happen, then who knows what the rest of the season's going to hold. So, yes, guys, thanks very much for this week. Um, same time next week after after last league game before the international break. Not sure what the plan is after that. Um, if we'll be doing it on the international break, but we'll keep updated on the Twitter at Chessie Hour. This has been Chessie Hour, Touchland Frackers, Joel Pels, Dan Meads. Bless up. Thanks very much for your time. And I'll see you next week. Bounce forward with Comcast Business. Help your business bounce forward today with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. Sports Social Podcast Network.